Tuesday, September 29th, 2020, you are listening to the Inquisitive Bro Podcast. On today's episode, Doc Rivers gets clipped, the state of Florida just keeps giving it to the city of Boston this year. First, we take your quarterback, then we take your basketball team. And the Nuggets, they had the Lakers right where they wanted them, until they got a little gentleman sweep. We have an NBA Finals preview in October? Man, what a year it's been. We'll discuss... I'm Andrew, he's Chris, let's go. Okay, as Andrew just said, today is our finals preview. Andrew, we made it. I can't believe we made it. Did you think when this was all getting going, like early July, that we were going to finish the season? I said in our finals preview questions pod, I mean, uh, sorry, my uh, our playoff preview questions pod that I thought it would, but I thought there'd be a lot more quarantine breaks. But you know what? Only one guy went to a strip club. Only one person, one unauthorized person, I should say, was invited into uh, a room. I think overall we did all right. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I don't think there was a single COVID case in the bubble. No, there wasn't. Well, not so far. Right. Could you imagine if, like, now? Oh, <laughs> uh, bad timing. Real bad <laughs> Would timing. be bad timing. Yeah. Um, I, think we're, I think we're in the clear, though. Anyway, so we're going to start today's episode off, like we did last time, uh, with uh, Andrew's news segment. So kick it off for us. Yep, we are bringing back the news. Lots going on in the NBA. Some pre-off-season stuff starting to trickle around the league as far as news. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, so we are recording this on Tuesday morning as of late Monday night. Doc Rivers, no longer the coach of the Clippers. Did you see that coming? I did not. I didn't see it coming, but it's also not like terribly surprising. I like how they mutually parted ways, which is the gentleman's way of being fired. Yeah. But, I mean, look, like his entire tenure with uh, the Clippers, I mean, it's been marred with just playoff failures, starting with the Lob City, um, like Lob City Clips, and then going all the way up to here. I mean, next year is... This isn't even a hyperbole. Next year is the most important year in the Clippers franchise history. They mortgaged their entire near to medium term future on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I mean, they traded everything for Paul George. Yep. Um, and they only have one more year left. Now, I, I know like people who listen to NBA pods know this already. It's been talked ad nauseum. And it's probably likely, unless things go completely disastrous, that both uh, Paul George and Kawhi will resign because they'll have reached 10-year ten uh, vet status and then they can sign for a much higher max. So this is kind of like a little bit of salary maneuvering for them to do the two-year deal. But at the same time, they could also leave. I mean, it's their right. So you never think, know. Yeah, I mean, they could leave. I think another likely scenario, and I think you mentioned this to me off pod, is that, and we'll talk about it when we get into the Clips offseason, but are they still sold on Paul George being the number two guy? Well, I don't know if the guys in the locker room are. I mean, I still think like, he's obviously amazing. Uh, mentally, he may be more of a Chris Bosh than the Dwayne Wade. Like, if you're talking, oh, what does that mean? Chris Bosh was a great playoff performer. He was at times, but I mean, like, he wasn't the alpha alpha. Maybe if, uh, maybe I mean, if there was no LeBron, and it was just Dwayne and Chris Bosh. He would have stepped up more. I'm just saying, like, Chris is kind of like you know, he's a soft spoken guy. <laughs> he's if you listen to podcasts with him, he's also said like um, this is completely off topic, but he talked to Bill Simmons one time about how like KG when Chris was a rookie just got all up in his head. Like he tried to talk trash a little bit to KG because he hit a couple shots. Yeah. KG turned around just like you're just a fucking mama's boy. <laughs> and Chris Bosh, you know, is in the like 
He's like, that wrapped me up in the game. I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Chris Bosh should have been like, you don't know my mama. No, but he said like, he didn't even sleep that night. He was, it was like one of those things that just like a time bomb exploded in his brain. He's like, I am a mama's boy. How does he know that? Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> KG, one to, of the best trash talkers of all time. Oh yeah. Going about, back to Paul George. I mean, the reporting from this suggested that everyone respected Kawhi. He earned it, like the, the alpha dog status. But a lot of people didn't respect Paul. I think it was he was kind of um, like, follow me in the, the locker room. And yeah, so, a lot of people didn't think he deserved So we that. are going to talk Clippers uh, offseason. Last time we... We discussed NBA Clippers and Nuggets were tied three three. So we'll get into what yeah, happened. Yeah, last there time a we talked, bit. we did our game seven, and I, I was very confident <laughs> that the Clippers were going to win. We even thought that the NBA um, ref memo would be like uh, Nuggets lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still the refs think, didn't follow the memo. No, they didn't. I think they probably got lost in the bubble shuffle, but uh, I'm sure that was still the memo. They heard that memo though when the the, the league went back and like uh, LeBron gets the line in game four. Yeah, time. too. That was interesting. But um, okay, well, I mean, Clippers again. Going back to Doc Rose, just quickly, I I think he's a good coach. Obviously, I don't know if he's a great unifier of people, because if you look at the Lob City Clippers and you look at modern day Clippers, both locker rooms have had some issues. And yeah, you can point fingers at the players, but you look at something like the Lakers, something like the '90s Bulls. They had internal turmoil at times, but you know, Phil Jackson was able to navigate through that. I'm not sure if Doc Rose has that capability. Are we sure he's actually that good a coach? I mean, like... No, we're not. We're not. I'm just being nice. I mean, he I had a really good a, team in Boston. A, they won the chip. He's had some really talented Clipper teams that have underachieved. So to be honest with you, no, I'm not sure if he's that great a coach. I mean, it's hard to separate the coach from the talent that's around him. And he's always... And for a long time, he's had good talent. I honestly don't know if he's that good a coach. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, and uh, I think the replacement for him is probably on their bench. So Doc Rivers is now the proud owner of three teams under his tenure that have blown 3-1 leads as well as three teams that have blown 3-2 leads. Is that really blowing it? But, I don't know. 3-2 lead? It happens. Okay, but I mean, 3-2 lead on its own is not a stat, but combined 3-1 lead, 3-2 lead, a lot of blown leads. Yeah. Going back to the thing, is he that good a coach? Are we sure he's good? (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Maybe yes, maybe no. Okay, we'll talk a little bit Clippers when we get there. Let's uh, keep blasting away with the news here. Um, Real quick, everybody's favorite Spaniard, Marcus Sall, considering finishing his career in Spain. Quick thoughts. Is that really news? That's just rumors. Yeah. Uh, Rumors, news. I mean, rumors start from somewhere. Somebody's got to say that, right? I think it makes sense. Um, I know I listened to a podcast with his brother, Pau, um, who uh, said that he's still trying to stay in game shape because it's his dream to play one more Summer Olympics with Spain. And I'm sure his brother thinks the same thing. I mean, you go back to Spain, you're still going to make millions of dollars, like three million, maybe more. It's like the second best league in the in the uh, in the world and um hey he's going back home going to play for Barcelona i mean that's pretty good yeah i mean spain looks beautiful weather's good uh, he's a hometown hero yeah so i, I think it's a good move i mean yeah. other than that he's signing for a better I mean, minimum like, somewhere it's kind of like it's kind of like um to <clears throat> use an analogy it's like when i played back in queens when i played division 1 uh intramurals that was tough for me near the end like I was kind of more of a role player. You go back down to D2, that shit's fun. I mean, not as much glory, but... Yeah, D2 was your Spain. D2 was your Barcelona. Yeah. (laughs) Were you a hometown hero in D2 as well? You know, people who, like, would just happen to be passing by the gym, maybe walking to their homes, they might have seen me make a good shot. and And they go, hey, wasn't that D1 guy? Last year? No, they might have just thought to themselves, like, that white boy made a good shot that time. Maybe. That's still pretty good praise. (laughs) Uh, Other news. Uh, Nick Nurse. Signs in extension with the Raptors. No surprise there. Eight million a year puts him as the fourth highest paid coach in the league. 
I like how with coach extensions and everything, it's so secretive. Um, it took a while for it to for people to real for it to be reported that it was around eight million dollars, and we still don't know how many years. They just said a multi-year deal, whereas players, you know, right away. Yeah, why is that? They're not players, right? It's not in their collective bargaining agreement, so it's independently. So you're uh, telling me every time the number gets out, it's leaked? Oh, like I mean. It's allowed to be leaked. I mean, the coaches all the coaches all pull for each other, right? It's their own market. Coaches' market is what it is. So if a guy gets eight million dollars, that's good for all coaches. I mean, like it rising yeah, yeah. tide kind of thing. That's true. Uh, in Nick Nurse's press conference, um, something real quick I want to mention that kind of resonated with me. They were talking about Masai Ujiri. He came up, and this is Nick Nurse, and I quote: "Coming when it comes to Masai's contract extension, he said, I'm a little concerned. Are you concerned? No." Um, I mean, if we lose Masai, I'm gonna start panicking. Well, Bobby Webster is a really highly regarded uh, executive as well. I've also heard Bobby Webster's name and possibly on the move. No, they're not. Like, I mean, this turnaround at least, I would be shocked. I don't think your jury is gonna like stay the rest of his career in Toronto. I think he's got one more big contract left. This is all posturing. I mean, your jury is going to get a ton of money. Shams from the Athletic reported like. Um, basically we got nurse done next is our, uh, our, um, executive. I think it's going to happen relatively soon. I think so. I hope so. Um, I really enjoyed the Raptors not being garbage for the last seven years. And I think that's, that's a large part of the Messiah. I'd like that yeah, to keep well, going. Messiah's a good negotiator. And I mean, now he's a negotiating for himself. He's not going to give up. Yeah. His he's got all the, all the cards in his hands. Um, some notable Messiah moves with his tenure for the Raptors. I thought this was interesting. Uh, he fleeced the Knicks into taking Andrea Bargnani. That was a good move. That is true. Traded Grievous Vasquez for Norman Powell. Norman ended up being a good piece. Uh, fired Dwayne Casey. Promoted Nick Nurse. Drafted Pascal Siakam with the 27th overall pick. Moved Jonas for Marcus Gasol. That ended up being pretty key. No love for OG. Drafted OG as well. Drafted OG, yep. Same draft. Uh, and also, obviously, same traded... Same draft as what? Wasn't the same draft as Siakam? No. No? no. What year was that? That was the year, year after? Before, that was the year before. Uh, right. year, no, no. No, a year after Siakam. Right, right, right. And then uh, traded DeMar for Kawhi. That is true. And his next move remains to be seen. What moves will Masai pull off? Not much this offseason. Resign Van Vliet. Sign... Uh, Not much of a cliffhanger there. What will he do this offseason? Not much. Don't worry about it. Get his money. Um, yeah, that's no, true. No, there's not much to, like, just, I guess, really quick on the Raptors. This is a transition year. You want to save max cap space for a potential Giannis push. Um, you re-sign Van Vliet. I think that'll happen. If you look at his other suitors, they're pretty trash. I mean, he might go for the money. Who knows? But it would have to be an overpay. I mean, like Phoenix, Knicks, Pistons. That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah, so real quick, uh, New York Knicks, James Dummy Dolan has said to possibly offer Fred Van Vliet three-year, $22 million. Does that set the bar for his contract? I don't think he'd take that. If he I, wants I to think go- 222 is probably the right number. Yeah, but I think the Raptors would offer that offer him that. Oh yeah, I, see, I think so too. Yeah, I don't think he's going to the Knicks. Um, I think um, so I think I I just think we'll re-sign him. I think it's a marriage that works for both parties. Um, otherwise, I think we re-sign we we sign um low cost bigs, maybe like a Harry Giles. Um, could re-sign one of Mark or uh, Ibaka. Um, Masai's mo is not to let assets go for free. Um, so you could resign a Baca and then trade him in the offseason. I think we trade Norman Powell this offseason. Um, They're going to retool. Won't be a big shakeup, but we'll no. come back with some, some different pieces. Yeah, it's, um, it's a transition year. Speaking of the Knicks, uh, New York Knicks legend will be attempting to make an NBA return next season. Any idea who I'm talking about? 
Steph Marbury? No, you know him as Lin Sanity. Jeremy Lin looking to come oh. back from China and make an NBA return. Think oh. it happened? Yeah. I thought he... I was surprised he didn't get, like, at least a third guard spot on a team this year. Like, a third PG spot. Yeah, you never know with guys, like, whether they had that offer to them and just chose to turn it down. Or, but we'll see when he comes back. Lin Sanity, good dude. Hope it, uh, hope it works out for him. Yet? I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. You think they mailed it to China? No, they typically give it to you. But he hasn't been back, so maybe not. <laughs> Mailed it to China, got lost in shipping. <laughs> yeah, stuck at the border. Uh, he had to pay duty costs when it crossed. It's like last time we checked, it was in a, it was in a Lebanese port. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, uh, it'll show up. Yeah, we haven't seen it for a while or heard anything, but we'll let, we'll call you. Don't call us. Yeah. Uh, Brooklyn Nets anticipated to have a big off season. Uh, name that's circulating around them is Drew Holiday. Does that make sense for you? Yes, makes a lot of sense actually. Um, he's a guy who can do everything and he's also, uh, he can take that defensive role because they don't need necessarily another ball handler, pure scorer. I think they got enough of that. Um, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, could be, could be, we'll see what happens. I would, if I were them, I would try to see if there's bigger fish, but still. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Drew Holiday as a player. Uh, I'm really not sure if you want to pair two ball handlers like that, but Drew well, Holiday can play off the ball. Kyrie can't. He plays. He can play three positions. Yeah, he's good. I would consider. I mean, my favorite trade for the Nets is going for Bradley Beal. They're primed to overpay for him like crazy. Like yeah. if you look at the um, what the Clippers paid for Paul George, something similar to that, except maybe a little more players instead of uh, picks. Like something like Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, plus Spencer Dinwiddie, plus a few first round picks. So you think the Nets would think about that? I think they would. Oh, I think they absolutely would. I mean, those are the three pieces they're going to be looking to move. And I think that's, if you're receiving that coming back, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like no other team that is in the Bradley Beal sweepstakes now, by all reporting, apparently he's not even someone, like not even necessarily available. But I mean, that could just be smoke. Um, Like all the other teams that can potentially get Bradley Beal, like Denver Nuggets, very good potential spot for uh, Bradley Beal, but they wouldn't overpay. They wouldn't give up Michael Porter Jr. for him. Right. The Nets are primed to overpay because their team is Kyrie plus KD, and they'll fill in the blanks. Yeah, I mean, Nets are full win-now mode, so exactly. we'll see what it looks like. Um, so, again, we mentioned this before. Again, Mike D'Antoni not coming back as Houston's head coach. Sounds like he's the front runner for the Sixers job. What do you think of that? Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not actually sure if it makes as much sense. You look at the system D'Antoni runs and the team he's inheriting – is Joel really going to be seven seconds or less offense? doesn't have to be seven seconds or less. It just has to be, like, revolutionized. Um, the they have a system very, is they have a very kick, antiquated. Though. They have a very antiquated um, uh, offensive system, or they had been running one. Three-pointers are efficient, but you know what the most efficient shot is? A fucking shot at the rim. Yeah, get but you don't get as many of them, right? Like, D'Antoni, even in Phoenix, Houston, like, he's always running the same game. It's quick offense, lots of threes. They don't have the staff for that. They can roll. Pick and roll. Amari Stoudemire, was a, Amari Stoudemire was huge in that system. He didn't take a single three. Anyway, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, something sense. that was interesting, I think Bill Simmons mentioned this, potential trade rumor or just acquisition, Embiid for Houston straight up. You mean Embiid for Harden. Correct, Embiid for Harden. So they're going to move the city of Houston, they're going to trade it for Embiid. What do you think of that? That's just, that's not happening. That's yeah, just... I, I don't understand that. Do you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like you're trading a broken dishwasher for a broken vacuum. You got one thing that doesn't work, you got another thing that doesn't work, you're going to trade them for each other? How does that help anybody? Well, James Harden is a one of the like five straight first team All NBAs, so he's still really, really good. And Bede's um, also really, really good. I just like doesn't not, seem to be he's working. He's not as good as James Harden. He's a little younger. Yeah, injury but prone. does that really matter when you have an injury prone center who hasn't gotten in shape? I 
the I don't think deal. I think both teams kind of say no on that. I that's just like literally something that popped up on Twitter. That that's a that's a big move. Yeah, I don't see that happening. It, it's either. not happening. It's um, not happening. So we never got a chance to wave goodbye to the Clippers. Last time we checked in, it was three three. Um, I think a lot of people still expected the Clippers to pull it off. They did not. Mentally, these guys were just not there. The chemistry is a mess with this Clipper organization. Yeah, um, that's what happens when you buy your team. Sometimes the guys don't get along great, and it showed on the uh, on the court, I guess. Yeah, I mean, even middle of the regular season, I was hearing that the role guys were upset that Kawhi and Paul George were getting preferential treatment. I'm not sure not exactly Kawhi, what that means. Not Kawhi, not Kawhi. Not Kawhi, just Paul George? Just Paul George. That was the thing. Paul George is like the... Um, prima donna the fulcrum of everything that was wrong with uh the clippers uh chemistry wise i mean when you get guys like marcus morris in there and lou williams who literally just think they're sick anyway yeah. and then you got a guy who hasn't accomplished like a ton in terms of team success other than made a conference finals um when he was younger but like i think they didn't like the way he carried himself and yeah, yeah they didn't, didn't like get him. along also i mean like they have personal issues uh, Marcus Morris is a ball stopper. He's very redundant to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to some extent. Shouldn't have traded him for a first-round pick. Um, Lou Williams is a sieve defensively. They relied way too much on him. There's a reason why Lou Williams has never had great playoff success on a team. Well, this is why they relied so much on Lou Williams. In that second half of Game 7, Kawhi went for 11. Paul George went one for 7. The whole Clippers combined for 33 points in the second half. They were starving for offense. And it's not because they don't have the talent. It's because they don't have the camaraderie. They don't have the chemistry. They don't play well together. This lineup does not work together. They were really bad in Game 7. and my I mean, they were actually bad in all the games leading up to Game 7. They were up 3-1, and then they just blew it. I was talking more about, well, Kawhi in particular. I mean, I my whole thing about Game 7 was I just thought Kawhi would have another great game because, I mean, he's shown time in, time out for the most part that he's great in these situations. He's not going to have a dud, and he yeah. had a dud. And Chris, so, Chris Broussard uh, made a really good point I thought was really interesting. He said, this is the first time Kawhi has had to carry the load of expectation. If you look at his run with the Spurs... He was arguably not even a top three guy as far as the blame, right? Ginobili, Duncan, Parker, even Pop. Even Pop, they're putting the blame on him. So when he succeeded, it was great. When he failed, no one's pointing the finger at him. Toronto last year, we weren't even the favorites to come out of the East. You know, so he was playing with house money there. Um, but this year, even before the season started, based on the way the roster looked on paper, a lot of people had the Clippers winning the chip. And he was the main guy on that team. So I think, could the pressure have kicked in maybe? Pressure he's not used to seeing? No, I don't think so. I think he just played poorly, honestly, and like probably was tired. He didn't seem to have the legs. Um, that's a knock. Tired? Tired? We've been load managing this guy for two years. Well, I mean, it talks to his durability. Look, he literally doesn't have the durability in his legs. He had a big injury, and I think that's something he's going to have to manage for the rest of his career. They've like talked about that. Um, Morris, Harrell, Reggie Jackson are all free agents. I don't know what this team looks like to start next season, and I'm honestly not sure if Paul George is there day one. Paul George is there. You think so? 100%. They mortgage the entire future. If for the them. chemistry is that bad, you're not going to get you're not going to trade a ton of people, I mean a ton of assets. Like literally SGA who's a tremendous prospect, going to probably make an all-in. Dude, all SGA, Danilo and not one, not two, but five first-round picks. Technically, was there's some pick swaps in there, so I think it kind of throws it off a little bit, but um, I think wasn't it five Clipper first round picks? Well, maybe no, some of those picks no. were acquired from other teams, no, but they were still there. There's, there's other team picks as well, and then there were some pick swaps. Point is, they gave a ton of assets. They're not going to, after one year, turn around and trade uh, Paul George uh, for negative value. Well, not hold on, not negative value. Thing. This is what I saw. Ready for this? Paul George to the Nets for Jared Allen, Karis Levert, and Dinwiddie. 
That's a negative value. Really? You think so? For a star. Yeah. I think you get three guys that obviously are good and have upside and have good chemistry playing together. You bring them in to put where Kawhi is the main guy again with less of a star around him, kind of like what the Raptors did. No. I don't believe you trade... Um, like I don't think if you trade um, a dollar for three quarters. Um, I think you get three very good players. Dude, it would, it would be completely uh, 180 for the for the front office. It would show like a lack of direction from them that literally they mortgaged their entire future. This is the team. This is what we want. One year later, bye bye. Okay, but it's are not you... it's not it's not there yet. They're gonna try to re-sign Paul George. I think they re-sign him to a big max contract. They can trade him later. They can literally trade him later. But I don't think they're trading him now. And also, I would not if I was the Nets. I would not even give up uh, that for Paul George. Well, you said they were gonna give that up for Bradley Beal. Yeah, Bradley Beal is like signed for a few more years. I think that's a very similar trade. I'd rather have Bradley Beal, but I think that's yeah, a very actually, similar no, trade. Yeah, that was dumb. I would do it for Paul George if I were the Nets. I wouldn't do it if I were the Clippers. Rephrase. You wouldn't do it if you were the Clippers. Are you familiar with sunk cost fallacy? Yeah, but I don't think this is a sunk cost. Well, they've already they've already traded away the future for Paul George, and at this point, you got to go with the next best move. You don't just keep Paul George yeah, if the it's next not working. Best move, the next best move is to re-sign him. It didn't work one year. I think you move away from the guys who didn't like him. I think you and uh, who are problematic with the culture. I don't think Kawhi had a problem with Paul George. I think you move away from a guy like Lou Williams. I think you move away from a guy like uh, Montrez Harrell. I mean, maybe resign him, but uh, I think his value is still going to be higher than you'd want to give. Um, you work around the edges. You don't trade your star player because your team had a disappointing uh, series. What if the, your star was what if second. the Heatles? What if the Heatles gave up on uh, the big three after the first year? But the big three made it to the finals, and then they had one bad series, but the camarader- the chemistry was good, camaraderie was good, they didn't have any internal they, issues. They could have totally broken it up. There was a chance that they could have. But I'm, I'm saying, like, if the Clippers all loved each other and said, let's run it back, boys, one more year, they'd run it back, but, like, half the team doesn't even talk to each other. I saw a report saying midway through the fourth quarter in that final game, half the team wanted to be sub off the floor. Yeah, but a lot of those guys that have problems can be jettisoned, the, the role players. Reggie Jackson's not coming back. Reggie Jackson's not good. Marcus Morris, I'm not a big fan. He's very redundant. I think he's... Marquise playing pretty good in Los Angeles, in the in Lakerland. Yeah, he's fine. Like, I think they might use him a little better. Mark, I don't like those players as a guy, as um, role players because I think they think they're better than that. Yeah. And I, um, Montrez Harrell is, had a bad, I mean, had a bad bubble because he was dealing with the death of his mother. I think he also got COVID. Um, Man, that is a rough month. He, um, and he was just coming in cold. Also, like, he's not a very good defender. He's a small center. Like, yeah. there, there were issues. Um, they had some roster flaws. But Kawhi, Paul George, great starting, great start to a, a team. And they'll just, they'll figure it out. I think you keep those guys. We'll see. Anything else in the Clippers? No. You want to no, talk, uh, <laughs> talk Lakers Nuggets? Yeah, let's go to the Lakers Nuggets now. The team that actually, like, the Nuggets that actually went through. All right, well, listen, man. Nuggets had the Lakers right where they wanted them. So there is two very scary teams in the history of the NBA. We know it's uh, round one, game one, Orlando. Yeah. You don't want to see them first first game, round one. DJ Augustine <laughs> just has, like, the eye of the tiger. Yeah, he's real focused for game one. one. Game two, we don't know what happens to DJ. And also, the second team is you don't want to see the Nuggets down. You don't want to be up 3-1 against the Nuggets in the playoffs. The other greatest team is um, Lakers Photoshop team. Oh, yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> I yeah. sent you that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Basically, anybody who's on the move or like speculated to be on the Within move. Within three years. Yeah, like, they just they put them in a Lakers jersey. They pair them with the stars and they go, look at this team. And it just never transpires into anything. 
Yeah, Lakers uh, Photoshop team would have been sick. Listen, man, Lakers fans love to dream. Yeah. My, they're dreaming for a championship right now. Um, it was funny with, with the Lakers. Every time I think I can play in the NBA, and this happens more than it should, they show a close-up of LeBron in transition, like attacking the rim. And then I realized, like, man, there's just no way I could ever stop him. Take a charge. Oh, dude, that would hurt so much. Oh, my God. No pain, no gain. If you want to make the NBA, you're going to have to take a lot of shots to the chin with, like, LeBron's knee as he's dude, soaring I'm, over you. I'm 5'10", a buck 70. Him in transition is going to be coming with, like, a 1,000 pounds of force per square inch. Yeah, well, at least I see, like, at least I'm at six feet, so I could maybe be the Kyle Lowry charge taker. If you're six feet, why don't you jump? Try and block him. Because I can't. Yeah, <laughs> can't me neither. Jump. Um, anyway. um, you know what's funny is that this was supposed to be Clippers' year, right? Kawhi was going to take over LA, and there's really only three things that are certain in life there's death, there's taxes, and there's LeBron James in the NBA Finals. Well, it wasn't necessarily supposed to be Clippers' year, it was supposed to be the LA's year, and it, it's still working out to be that way. I mean, Anthony Davis is just as big a move as Paul George. And in fact, it's a bigger move. It's a bigger move. And also, Kawhi did have the chance to go to the Lakers, turned it down. Yeah, but I think that was smart for him. Would have I mean, been... I don't know. Is it smart for him? Yeah, of course. Look at, like, I mean, if it, I'm the people around him. It's like, man, if you go to the Lakers, everyone's just going to think you're a bitch. Yeah, no, I hear you. Like, no one I thinks he's a bitch because he went to the Clippers because he's the lead dog. KD is the perfect example. Like, everyone can look at what KD did to the Warriors and realize, like, that didn't work out for him. He's still miserable. He's still disrespected, relatively speaking, because, like, he he went and was like, he wanted people to, like, to look at him and say, like, hey, look, I won two finals, two finals MVP, love me. And everyone's like, fuck you. No, you're a bitch. Yeah, but, like, man, like, you use, some, yeah, use yeah. some foresight to think, okay, maybe people aren't going to weigh these championships as much as if I was on my own. I know. Well, Kawhi Leonard... I'm sure thought about it and said no because and man it's they had not a good team it. in OKC with Durant like he could have stayed there and had a really good shot at a chip the next couple well, of yeah, years but that, okay that's getting off topic obviously like had they stayed in OKC then things maybe could have been different but who knows um, so Lakers Nuggets series I mean Danny Green what what does Danny Green do somebody tell me shot twenty eight percent from three twenty six percent from the floor and don't tell me it's some defensive thing okay I know you love to go to the defensive so I'll I'll wait let me know what Danny Green does as a basketball player uh. I think he's a good transition defender. That, but no, he's for as good a shooter as he is. He is so so bad sometimes. He's like the biggest hot and cold shooter swing like swing guy I've ever seen. Like game to game, he yeah. can go zero for seven or seven for seven. There's no in between. Yeah, it's it's um, crazy, man. Even with the Raptors last year, it was so. But frustrating. he's also declining like quite noticeably. I mean, by the end of this contract, it's going to look probably pretty bad. Um, I really don't have much to say about the the Lakers and uh, Nuggets other than, like, this is just literally, like, the Nuggets' magic ran out. The Lakers are a better team, and that's literally just the story of the, the series. LeBron and AD went absolutely off. I think this was a big series for the Lakers to uh, figure out a little something, and maybe you don't think this is a big deal, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Anthony Davis is clearly a finesse big, okay? Doesn't like the bang, little fragile, doesn't really like to work inside, doesn't have much of a back-to-the-basket game, rather, rather face up. When they moved Dwight into the starting lineup for those last two games, Dwight's averaging a double-double. Well, they, they had McGee. They had McGee in the starting lineup before. Davis was always starting at the four. Yeah, but it's weird with McGee. Like, he's not he's not a crash-the-boards kind of guy. Like, I think the, the rebounding load was still more on Davis than it was now with Dwight. Great job for Dwight, man. I'm really happy for you. I was a fan. And rebounding I know load was also on LeBron. I mean, he had 10 rebounds per game. I know, but I still think that, like, Davis is a seven-footer. Like, they expected him to be dominant on the boards. Yeah. Um, I know what you're saying. He is definitely... I mean, he, when he was in high school, like, high school sophomore, he was a guard, right? He was six foot three, and then he just exploded in height. He's a finesse guy. I agree. Davis likes to stay on the perimeter. Over the last 
three games of that series combined, Anthony Davis had 12 rebounds. Well, whatever they won. <laughs> yeah, they won. But I'm, I'm saying that's what, he likes, that's what he likes to do. I think the Lakers found something with Dwight in the starting lineup, and I think it, it allows Davis to not have to play the game he doesn't want to play. It shows you that just because you're tall doesn't make you a center. Yeah, that being said, I mean, I have some lineup data stuff uh, that we can talk about in the actual finals preview, but not surprisingly, when Davis is at the center, they're fucking sick. Jokic is so good, man. He's so crafty. He is. He's got soft, soft hands. Like, he makes a move. You see it coming. You're watching it while it happens, but you just can't stop it. He's super slow, but still so effective. Yeah, well, he uses his body well, and um, he's good at hitting shots with a hand in his face. I guess he's been used to it because he's not getting by guys. Right. Um, also a great passer out of the double team, which is big for for somebody like that. Yeah, yeah, great big man passer. He's really good. Um, Jamal Murray and uh, Jokic are going to be a good duo for a long, long time. Michael Porter Jr. looks very promising. Um, I think they're one... I think they're one really good player away. I would trade. I would look to try to move off like guys like Gary Harris, um, Malik Beasley. Uh, uh, who's the guy who's in the dunk competition? I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, Can't remember. But I do know that Millsap and Plumlee are the only guys not under contract for next year. Yeah, they're not coming back. No, I don't think so either. Um, it's funny. I, we're talking a little bit about the Nuggets offseason, but they've been down 3-1 three times now, so I feel like I've already covered it. So we're not going to go into that, but great season for them. Holy smokes, that was a that was yeah. a hell of a run. It's a good run, but also it's going to be hard for them to do it next year. Just like Portland couldn't get back to the conference finals last year because um, they're not like they're not that much better than some of the teams that were eliminated before them. I mean, they're not better. I still don't think they're better than the Clippers, even though they won that series. Good for them. Um, they're clearly the underdog. I don't think they're markedly better than Utah. I don't think they're that much better than Portland. Um, not that much better than Houston. There's a mushy middle. Where Not to mention a, Golden State's coming back healthy next year. They're going to exactly. be top four. There's like, there's a group of like six teams in the West that are all good teams, and five of them are going to be disappointed every single year because they weren't the ones that came out on top there. Yeah. So yeah. Bright future though. Yeah. 100%. They could retool like a couple of key pieces and like have another big. Oh, well, they got moves in them. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Heat Celtics. I thought the Celtics were going to win, and I was wrong. Um, Tyler Heat, Hero currently has the top jersey sales in the league. Yeah, he's good. I mean, the thing about the Heat is, like, it's their storyline, right? It just feels too early. A lot about uh, sports is about, like, the um, the story and uh, kind of, like, the myth-building of everything, right? Like, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, they were, like, that was a like, clear storyline. Okay, like, these three guys pair together, they're the best they're going to win. And then they didn't win, but then they won later. Um, the Heat, like, Jimmy Butler is kind of an under, obviously an undervalued star. Um, then they have these new guys on the block. Dragic has been around for a while. It just kind of feels different, right? It wasn't, it, it was out of left field, the storyline. If you started the, the start of the season, like, who can make the finals? The Bucks. It makes a lot of sense. They were spurned last year. This is their year. Even the Raptors maybe, like, made sense. Like, they lost their best player. They're going to come together as a team effort. And they're going to grit it out. Like the Celtics, young stars. It's their time. They're in the new OKC. The Heat are kind of like, eh. Yeah, I mean, what's weird with the Celtics is that in that Heat series, Kemba, Brown, Tatum all average over 20 points per game. And you had Marcus Smart averaging 17. Like, it, offense is not their issue. Defensively, they have a hard time stopping anybody. Well, they have a hard time stopping them possession to possession. Consistency is something that they lack. They have some tremendous individual defenders. Yeah, but they do. They, but they, given that, they should be better team defensively, given the guys that they have. Yeah, but... Um, it's Lots of lanky, long, athletic wings. It's a matchup thing. And also, like, so we have 
here at the Inquisitor Bro, we subscribe to uh, Cleaning the Glass, which is a really good uh, statistical uh, website, especially for lineup data. Um, and I showed and I showed you this, Andrew, off pod. But if you looked at um, if you looked at the the options for the Celtics as their fifth guy in their lineup, um, Gordon Hayward showed even though he like his raw stats aren't that good, him being on the floor was very conducive to great offensive numbers terrible defense and that makes sense because he had a hurt ankle and basically looked like he was a 40 year old out there guys were driving by him all the time um would you have brought hayward back if it was you given you already got here without him are you really going to insert somebody like that into the lineup this late in the season um well brad stevens loves him but i probably would have because even though they got there they didn't look good against toronto they could have easily lost that series even though they were the better team um and i think to hit your ceiling to like actually beat the heat and go to the finals and hopefully win the finals, you know that you need Gordon Hayward in and you need him to play well. And he just didn't play well. But I think um, he played as well as you could have coming off the ankle injury. And he was obviously rushed back. There's no way he was ready yeah, to go for the yeah, series. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe they should have played Grant Williams more because he actually, uh, hit the lineups when he was on actually graded out all right. Semi um was the opposite of Gordon Hayward. Terrible offensive uh, numbers when he was on the floor. Really good defensive numbers. Something really interesting. Small sample sizes, though, so there's a little bit of noise in there, but it's kind of still uh, illuminating, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. I was watching Inside the NBA. Charles Barkley made a really good point. Um, He brought up how the Celtics have, like, four really decent ISO-scoring guys. And when you have that, your offense tends to get lazy at times. Because you come down, it's like, all right, Kemba's turn to go one-on-one. Come down again. Okay, Tatum's turn to go. Brown's turn. Even Hayward sometimes. Marcus Smart's been, like, playing pretty good. He's got some extra confidence to go one-on-one. I actually think Marcus Smart is a problem for them. Um, I mean, it might be a problem for them, but like when you, can you have shoot them out of games like crazy, when you have that kind of talent, I, I find the coaching staff gets lazy. The players get lazy running offense. You don't run your offense. You tend to fall into that rut. And I think that's what happened to them down the stretch. It's tough to get ISO buckets like that. And their second half scoring against the Raptors and against the heat. That's where they lost this. Whole, they won two games a series out of just out of that one game. They only outscored the heat in the second half once this whole series. That's a good point. I agree with that. Um, they did have a lot of blocky and non- <laughs> Not very inspiring offensive possessions where literally it was like, hey, Jason, can you do a sidestep three-point shot? And he can do it one out of three times. Yeah. He's a tremendous player. He's going to be so, so good. He's going to be awesome. Um, but I think you're right. So, so good, I think you're right. There are some, some, something's wrong with these guys, and it might be Marcus Smart. I like Marcus Smart as a player. I love him. Like, he's like a Pat Beverly, Rondo, Rodman better. mix. Like, I don't know. I don't he's see gritty. Rondo in there. But <laughs> I, I just mean like defensively. Like, he, he's pretty good. Like, Rondo's a good on-ball defender. But like, he went 8 of 22 in game six. On yeah. that team, how does Marcus Smart have the ability to put up twenty-two shots? Because he's the big, he has the biggest balls on the team. That's an issue, I think. Like that's a a team setup issue. I think they love Marcus Smart. I would keep him, but I would also, if nothing materializes, but I would move him for the right piece because um, he just thinks he's really sick. And if you looked at his series stats, he averaged seventeen points per game on thirty-eight percent shooting. He was just chucking shit. But like, if you're Brad Stevens or his teammates, like, given where he is in the death chart, how do you let that happen? Because he's on the court all the time, and like, he'll make them sometimes. The, the shots are just flowing to him, I guess. Like, to be fair, like they're they're um, a lot of they're the Heat were loading up a lot on Tatum and Brown, and then you swing it, swing it, swing it. There's Marcus Smart. I guess it's an openest shot. Take it. I think what about swing it, swing it, swing it, swing it away from Marcus Smart. Right. But Marcus Smart is also one of those guys. He like it's just his personality, right? He's never seen a shot he didn't like. <laughs> I guess, yeah, man. I don't know. Like that team had a lot of offense, and like he was like even with Hayward coming back, there's less shots to go around. He still put up 22 shots in Game Six. 
he's a tough one. I actually, like, he's a tough one where I think you're, I, I don't know if the Celtics can win with him because some of the stuff he brings is amazing. He's such a good defender. I could do away with some of his blatant flops, but then again, Kyle Lowry does the same thing, and I love Kyle, so. Um, I like him on my team. Yeah. Uh, I think Marcus flops a little bit more uh, flamboyant. No, what's a little, no, uh, a, little more, is a little bit more dramatically. I don't know. I think it's a little bit more flamboyant. I think he tries to him. sell it a little bit too he does. much. Yeah, a little bit. I think so. Um, maybe I'm biased. There's potential bias in my my view. Um, and I know. I think Kyle's I'm a better aware. actor. <laughs> maybe. Um, he's so good at that. And you know what? Like, there's a potential really good offensive player uh, in his. Um, in his skill set. I mean, he's still pretty young. I could totally see him turning into, like, a Kyle Lowry type. That's one of the things that, like, the, the Raptors did, for example, when they got Kyle Lowry, was they identified him in Houston as a guy who could potentially be a very good um, point starting point guard in this league because a lot of the underlying stats suggested that he was a top-ten guy. And then it took a couple years, but then, boom, he exploded uh, later right. in his career. Marcus Smart kind of, like, like, same thing. He's kind of he's starting to shoot a little bit better. He still has his brickish moments, but... Tremendous defender, really good leader, very ballsy. But when he's bad, his ballsiness hurts you. But But he'll always stay. That's what I think with Marcus Smart is. I don't think he has to really develop a super clutch offensive game to be a helpful player on a team. Because there's so many things that he does where he could average, you know, 13, 14, 50 points a game without calling a single play for him. I think that's his game. Yeah, well, I mean, all these guys, like, as they age, they discover who they are more and more. I mean, it's a learning process. That's one thing about the young teams. You have all this talent, but, like, sometimes you don't really know your role or your place. And Marcus Smart, I don't, like, look, 17 points per game, I love that. But then when you see 38% uh, percent shooting, it means he's shooting way too much. Yeah, yeah, and, I like, so too. that's hurting your team. So we know how Boston executes their offense. Didn't really work this year. Uh, worked at times, obviously. They, they had a good season, made it to the conference finals. If we contrast that with Miami... They don't really have a single ISO score. So what does that do? It forces them to play team ball. They got to swing they around, are, hit the open man. They are the epitome of team ball right now. Um, no one they play is bad in their playoff rotation. No one they play. Everyone is good. Everyone, There's no egos though. This is an egoless team. That's well. That's here. Uh, hashtag heat culture, yeah. um, which will be for those listeners out there. Game one of the NBA Finals will be a heat culture reference orgasm because. I guarantee you they'll mention it at least five to six times with like panning shots of um, Pat Riley. Show Pat Riley during like a, a break and it's like, oh, Pat, you know, he's really great with this heat culture. Like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen sure. all the time. Yeah. Also, Kobe references over who's going to get more references, heat culture or Kobe? Heat culture. Because th- this matchup is LeBron versus Pat Riley. I think you're, yeah. And then they'll be like, you know, LeBron came from that heat culture. <laughs> and like, blah, blah, Did blah, he? blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be borderline insufferable. Like those types of uh, references. The basketball will be great. Yeah. <laughs> this team is very interesting. Uh, Jimmy Butler is clearly their leader. But what he's showing is that you don't have to drop 30 a night to be the leader. He is their fourth leading scorer behind Bam, Dragic, and Hero. Going back to um, a Kyle Lowry reference, um, Jimmy Butler is that same type of player the mentality and that do anything it takes to win. If I need yeah. to score, I can score. If I need to take a charge, I'll do that. If I need to play defense, I'll do that. Well, they'll always play defense, but I can facilitate. I'll do whatever it takes. And I love those types of players. Jimmy they, Butler does not feel the need to take 20 field goals a game no. to get his stats. He's happy going, you know, four of eight and winning the game. There's only one stat he cares about and that's W's. Yeah. Um, as it should be. Yeah. And actually I like that better sometimes as like one of your best players 
somebody needs to be the guy who makes sure shit works and doesn't need to, like you need someone who's like okay i'm gonna make the the good team play here this young kid he can go score because that's fun and you can score at a young age but you might not be doing all the other nitty-gritty stuff that only veterans kind of know how to do yeah um but they found something i mean look tyler hero right away is a good player how good he'll be throughout his career. I think he's like obviously tracking to be very good. Yeah. I think huge upside. Yeah. I think, I don't think he has like superstar upside. Um, just cause, uh, potential lack of athleticism. Um, but then again, you never know. Very good stuff that he's showing early on. Um, bam out of bio has absolutely exploded. He's, I mean, arguably their best player. Yeah. I mean, we can, we'll, we'll talk more here when we go finals preview. We're going to get to that soon. Um, just closing the book on Boston. They're coming back with the same team. I don't see them doing much in the offseason. You? Well, we tracked on like a Marcus Smart potential trade, but I don't think that's, I don't think that happens next year. That's not the right time. I think you keep, because he's signed for four more years anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you come back with a. But I have a pet uh, trade that I really like, and it's Gordon Hayward for Blake Griffin. Right, right, right. Um, The Celtics are capped out. Like with Kemba and everything, they don't have, like, Gordon Hayward has a player option, which he's going to take for like 33 million, 35 million, something big. Um, the marriage has clearly not worked as much as they've tried. It just hasn't worked out. I think they're going to move their separate ways. You can either lose him for nothing and then you're capped out. And now you're, 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 you got the team that you have. Or, um, what I like is trading him to the Pistons, like kind of saying, well, we could lose Gordon Hayward or we can get two years of Blake Griffin. Cause he's got two more years left. Um, it helps the Pistons in that, the Pistons are going to rebuild one less year of paying a ton of money to an aging star. They cut it after this year, and then they go full rebuild mode. Um, whereas Blake Griffin is not that far from, removed from being a very, very good player. Celtics have a lot of wings. They're they're short on bigs. Yeah, I mean, um, Blake's biggest downfall is the injury. He's not his play right now. He had a great season the year before last year. This year he, he got He was, hurt. like, pretty good this year, too, and, like, when he was, when he was healthy. Yeah. Um... And it's one of those things where, like, he's... Because Gordon Hayward's a luxury at this point. You know what your team is. It's Kemba, Brown, Tatum, Smart. I mean, also, there's, like, a 50% chance Gordon Hayward goes down to injury, like, three yeah, minutes into as, game one. He's just as injury-prone, apparently, although they seem to be more fluky. Like, when you start having knee issues, that's an issue. But I think Blake Griffin, like, imagine him as, like, a sixth man, maybe. Um, or maybe as their starting par- power forward. But playing, like, instead of playing, like, high, like mid to high 30 minutes, play, like, 28 minutes. It's not about your raw stats. Just go in there and play well when you're in there. And I think he'd be really, really good for them. I think so too. I've actually been more of a late career Blake fan than an early career Blake fan. I think he's really coming to his own later in his career. I think he relied too much on his athleticism early on. Oh, he 100% did. Yeah. Um, but he's developed his game. Developed a decent jump shot. Like, smarter well, basketball player. If you go back to uh, 2008 when he was drafted and the, the first years of Lob City... Everyone said this, like, this is great that he can dunk. It's amazing, but he's going to lose his hops. He's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to evolve his game. And he has, but unfortunately he's also suffered the injuries. But yeah, and unfortunately, out, he's done everything that you could have wanted him to do when you first started seeing him as he's aged. He's like, he needs to pass more. He needs to shoot better. He's done all that. He yeah. can't dunk anymore, barely, but like. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it's an interesting yeah. trade. I mean, I haven't heard that from anybody other than you, so I'm not even sure if it's on the radar, but we'll see what happens. Who knows? I just like it. Um, okay, let's go to the finals. Heat, Lakers. Vegas has the Lakers. I think everyone has the Lakers. 
It's the safest pick. I'm going to stick to the Lakers. I guess if we just do the the our predictions now, I think the Lakers are going to win it, but I think it's going to be a long series. And I Am I even allowed tough. to pick the Lakers after having them getting bounced by the Blazers in round one? I feel dumb now picking the Lakers to win the chip when I had them out like a month ago. Whatever, you adjust to uh, new facts. Like this fact, the Lakers are the ones in the finals and the Blazers are not. Yeah, no, I don't think the Blazers are going to win the championship this year. That seems unlikely. What's Vegas odds for the Blazers winning this year? You get really good money. I think I would if, get if that phenomenal happens, odds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but okay. Yeah. So I have Lakers. Who do you have? Uh, yeah. No. I have the Lakers. I don't think it's going to be as much of a slam dunk as people think. Like Miami's going to put up a fight. I don't think. I don't know who you're listening to. I don't think it's a. I don't think anyone I've been listening to is saying it's a slam dunk. I actually, Miami's kind of like that sexy sleeper pick that low key everyone is picking now. You know what? It was an interesting reference, and it's it's kind of similar. Oh uh, four when when the Pistons knocked off the Lakers, it's kind of a similar thing, you know? You got good team ball with the Heat, no real one star against a powerhouse in the Lakers that are really top-heavy. Yeah, that's actually, like, a pretty uh, poignant example. I think a, a bunch of other people have been bringing that up, but the difference with this Lakers team versus that Lakers team is this one's a lot fresher. This is their first finals run. Um, I'm pretty sure that was Shaq and Kobe's fourth finals run. They were kind of, like, near the end of their rope. Um, that team also had old man... Carl Malone and old man Gary Payton. <laughs> Those guys are legends. But yeah, fair enough. I mean, would you rather have old man Carl Malone or the third best player on the Lakers? <laughs> I guess the third best player on the Lakers is Rondo. I mean, yeah. Carl Malone did nothing, man. He, w- he was in the league for so long at that point. Like, no knees. Yeah. Um, okay, but okay, let's just like go to the nitty gritty now because this is what this is for. We're diving into the matchups what we're looking for. So I'm going to start with this, Andrew. Who is the biggest X factor on each team? You got somebody you want me to go? I'll go first since I just put you on the spot with that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can pull an X factor out of my hat. Let's see who I got. Uh, I don't know. You go. You go. Okay, so for the Lakers, I think it's obviously Anthony Davis. This is a two-man squad. You think Anthony Davis is an X factor? Yes, because if he plays, I think... I believe at this point in his LeBron's career, he's going to be good in the finals. This is uh, Anthony Davis's first finals. Now, granted, I've been saying this every single time throughout these playoffs. Anthony Davis has not gone this far. We'll see. But, that, but you know, finals a little different animal. This is the best team that the Lakers have faced. And because they're so top-heavy, Davis being the second star, he needs to be great. He can be great to win, and I think he, I think he probably will be great. But if he's not then that's a huge issue for the Lakers, and I don't think they are, they're going to win. Also, like he's one of those guys who's almost borderline unguardable. They're going to probably try to throw Bam at him a lot if they're playing man, and if they're playing zone, then, I mean, they'll probably have... A, I mean, they'll just play zone. Yeah, you know, um, if I'm thinking X-Factor, like I'm not thinking of like a big-name guy like that. I honestly think he's going to do what he's going to do as he's been doing all series. I don't know, man. Like I think you got to try to take him out of his game. You can. It happens from game to game where he just has a bad one. They're not going to beat him with size. No, I think you can beat him with, um, make him a jump shooter, though. Just try to make him a jump shooter. I mean, I guess what I'm getting there is, like, is there potential, like, 2011 um, Mavericks on LeBron potential with Davis here? Could like, be. I mean, if you, dude, if he has that kind of a series, the series is done. Miami well, yeah, will exactly, walk but that's what you're going to try to try to do. Make him have a bad series. He'll, he'll probably still put up pretty good raw stats, but I'm saying, like, you got to take him out of your game. That's... No team wins a series when the other team's best players are going off, right? Someone's got to play bad. Is it going to be the Heat guys who don't play well enough, or is it going to be the Lakers guys who don't play well enough? The Lakers only have two guys. Right. Um, I actually have a really interesting thing about that I can bring up later, but literally the Lakers only have two guys. Right. If one of them goes, um, one, if one of them plays bad, and I think the most likely would be Davis, yeah. um, then that's an issue. So I think he's the next factor. I think he swings it. 
plays well, they win, plays poorly, they lose. Could be. Okay, so my X factor might be the point you want to talk about next. I think my X factor for the Lakers is how do the guys play when LeBron is on the bench? It's not going to happen often, but if you look at typical LeBron teams, generally they're tired, they're up, they're always positive with LeBron on the floor. He leaves for 30 seconds. By the time he sits down and grabs some Gatorade, they're down 12. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. It's a that's problem. A, I don't know how much. I don't know how many times he's gonna be sitting down during these finals. I can tell you that. Like, this isn't the Bucks we're talking about. Like LeBron, when it's big games, he plays them. <laughs> he plays all of them. But the 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 not the LeBron off the court minutes are gonna be very important. And I actually do have something about this. According to Clean the Glass, like the lineup data, I was looking at this in the playoffs when LeBron is off the court, the Lakers are their differential is plus one per 100 possessions. So basically they're playing that at a virtual tie, which is a huge win in the grand scheme of things. Oh, that's huge. Just um, breaking even with LeBron yeah. off the court. I would take that. But, but that's a little noisy because Rondo came back midway. So I actually looked at just the Rondo lineups without LeBron. They're plus 6.2 on, this is in, in a total of a uh, 200 possessions. So that's a decently large sample size. Uh, so basically like, when it's Rondo on the court without LeBron, and AD is always with Rondo in that situation, AD and LeBron do not play both off, which is smart. Rondo and AD have been able to hold their own, and in fact, win those minutes, and that's huge. If they can do that in the series, then like, like it's it's curtains. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Rondo's been really good. He's definitely their third best player. He's yeah. He well, he's the kind of the X factor. Okay, so he's your X factor then. Yeah, I mean, like him along with some other guys. Like, I, I don't think Rondo's enough to carry the load. Kuzma's obviously not the third guy. Like, Kuzma, I'm so no. down on Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> well, um, this is kind of funny. <laughs> um, I looked at I looked at more lineup data. I'm all about the lineup data right now. Hey man, stats um, are good. So advanced analytics. Yeah, if you look at um, Anthony Davis and LeBron lineups, like when Anthony Davis is at the center and LeBron is on, they fucking kill it. 17.5 plus 17.5 points per 100 possessions and that's over 390 possessions that's a pretty big sample size and that's not surprising 80 at the four at the at the five lebron with him obviously they're gonna be good there's one lineup combination that for some reason just got absolutely destroyed like minus 30 and that was when they had kuzma in there yeah man well what does that tell you it's not like he's getting you massive buckets on offense and defensively he's kind of weak so like what yeah. are you going to do with them? Funny enough, though, if you play that exact same line, that lineup, by the way, was uh, Caldwell Pope, Danny Green, uh, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, AD, got absolutely wrecked. But if you replace Kuzma with Markeith Morris, suddenly, like, also small sample size, only 57 possessions, but they were, they were plus 52 in those minutes. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. I would take Morris over Kuzma. Yeah, but, like, this is how good they've been in those small minutes. Do you remember the lineup of death with the, the Warriors? Yeah. The, the the OG lineup of death was in 2015 and 16. Steph, Clay, Igudala, Barnes, and Draymond Green at the five. Right. They were only plus 40 only. They were plus 44 uh, in their total minutes. Obviously played a ton more possessions. But point is, in the small sample size, this Caldwell Pope, Draymond Green, LeBron James, Markeith Morris, AD playing better than like the legendarily best lineup in recent memories. So. That is wild that any lineup with KCP has any kind of like all-time stat. Dude, like you and I could be on the same lineup as LeBron James and AD, and there's a chance in a small sample size that yeah. we put up historic stuff. KCP's actually coming into form. I've been down on him as a lot of people have all season because big contract, and he kind of sucks to be honest with you. But he actually played well last series, giving them some good good contribution. Oh, well, he's still a guy who can shoot. Sometimes it goes in. 
We're going to talk a little Miami Heat here. Wait, wait, we haven't done the... Well, yeah, let's talk about them, but... Yeah, you want to do Miami Heat X Factor, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think it's the Heat Shooters slash Goran Dragic. I think Goran Dragic is really important for this series because um, when you look at the, the Celtics, the Celtics' weakness is their bigs. They don't have good bigs, and Bam absolutely ate Daniel Tice. Well, the Lakers are a really, really big team. They're, they were very good defensively this year, and they played huge. I mean, you got AD, LeBron, and Dwight Howard in the same lineup. This is literally David versus Goliath. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what they're weak at is their guard play, especially at the point of attack. Um, Rondo helps, but they don't have very good guards uh, for the most part, um, especially defensively. I mean, like some Caruso's going to have to defend someone. Caldwell Pope, I'm not really high on him. Danny Green, his on-ball defense, I'm not really high on that. Like, point is, like, you can exploit that. And I think guys like the Heat shooters, um, also the, the I should say, the Lakers do give up a decent amount of above-the-break threes. And the Heat were number two, no, number one in the league in above-the-break three percentage. And that makes sense. I mean, they right. have a lot of good shooters. But the Heat shooters and Goran Dragic, their, their, their savvy point guard, going to be huge. Going to be huge this series. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I, my X Factor for uh, the Heat is going to be uh, just a different lineup. So Heat Lakers face each other twice this regular season. Um, Anthony Davis and Butler being the high point men both times for their respective teams. However, Lakers did take both of those games. The difference is the Heat's rotation today is vastly different than the rotation they were throwing out mid-regular season. And I think that's going to be a big difference. It's been the difference throughout this playoffs. The Heat are completely different than they were than to the the fifth place team um in the regular in the regular season right so, so yeah so the last time they played the lakers uh their lineup consisted of james johnson who was traded kendrick nunn played 23 minutes myers leonard played 12 minutes olenic played 30 minutes guess how many minutes those guys combined for last year's did olenic get any run game six they all combined for zero minutes okay well that was the last game what about the series though don't know Kendrick Nunn's not playing. Um, yeah. he, he's been bad, although he had a pretty good like regular season. But no, he's not ready for this. He's not ready for the, the finals. Yeah, like zero um, minutes. So he's not playing. I think Kelly Olynyk can play a little bit. Um, he might. So the question is going to be, do the Heat stick with what's worked for them so far? Or are they going to feel the need to go big to match the Lakers size? You don't make adjustments until you need to, right? I think. They, yeah, I think you're right. I think they're just going to keep doing what they do. I mean, their best lineup is their closing lineup. Um which is um, the Heat's best lineup is when they have Drogic, um, Hero, Butler, one of Jay Crowder or Igudala, and then Bam at the five. Over like uh, about 350 possessions, that's plus 17.3 um, points per 100 possessions. So like they're killing it. That's their best lineup, and they should stick to that. Yeah, I um, mean, great midseason move in February by uh, Pat Riley. He moved. Um, Winslow Johnson and Dion Gummy Bear Waiters for Ego Dalek, Crowder and Solomon Hill. Yeah, it's really changed their team. A lot of solid guys, big vets. bodies. Vets, they got yeah. vets. Um, it's worked out really well. I will say that um, I'm curious about the zone usage that Miami will do in this series versus man-to-man. Uh, they play a ton of zone. Miami plays the most zone and it's their most it's uh, their most effective defensive system. Like, they are the most effective zone team in the league. That's what they do. It, it effectively allows them to hide some of their weaker individual defenders, like a Duncan Robinson, for example, um, while still leveraging his great talents, which are shooting. Um, what I'm worried about, though, is, like, one, I'm the fact that the Celtics can't beat a zone is kind of sad. Yeah. But 
now like it's known how you, you beat a zone, but now you're dealing with LeBron James, a fucking basketball savant. And then as your lynch point, you can have Anthony Davis in the middle of the zone. I don't know if that zone is going to work nearly as well. Well, no, I mean, Celtics and Lakers play vastly different offenses. They do. Uh, I don't I don't know, but that's why I kind of brought up the question. And I think you're right. I think they start with what's worked for them and then maybe transition away from it. Are you going to have to play a myers Leonard at 7 feet or an Olenek at 6'11 to match up with the, with the size? No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think you're going to have to do that unless they really start killing you inside. But you keep Bam inside because um, this team can't fucking shoot. Could Dwight be next factor? Two mm. bigs. You got Davis and Dwight. You got Twin Towers down there. I would be more willing to bet that Dwight gets exposed, and I don't. I I I'd be willing to bet he gets played off the floor. But who do you think exposes Dwight? One of their guards. They're going to be a guy who can shoot. I mean, if you only if literally the the lineup that we just had, like yeah. that I just said, their best lineup only has one big. That's Bam. I mean, if you put like for example Jay Crowder as the four, um, so who's Anthony Davis guarding? Is he going to guard Jay Crowder? I guess like or Bam. Okay, so he's guarding Bam, but then you have Dwight in space. Like, the point is, yeah. they're going to space you out. Um, the the great thing about big guys is they're good at the rim, but they suck in space. They're going to hunt out these matchups. Eric Sprolstra is the better coach in this series, I would say, although yeah. um, I don't think the Lakers coach is, like, any schlub. Um, no, Vogel's okay, but, yeah. like, dude, this Heat team was not expected to be here. No, Spolstra's a great, great coach. He's going to hunt down matchup weaknesses and exploit the shit out of them. It might not be enough when you have LeBron and AD coming back at you. Yeah. Um, but you understand the coach of the Lakers is LeBron James. That is also true. Yeah. Well, that's great. You have a player coach. Um, the, I guess just getting back to the zone thing, um, I think they will have to play a lot of man, a lot more man, because zone is all about execution. You can be the zone every time, might not make the shot, but you can be the zone every time by just executing properly. The Celtics didn't do that. The Lakers have, when they have playmakers like Rajon Rondo, LeBron James, plus literally the perfect big in a zone, Anthony Davis, and then a bunch of like, uh, then a bunch of outside shooters. I think that's the literally the perfect recipe. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I wanted to bring up something about the Heat franchise and Pat Riley. This dude is one hell of an executive. Are you bringing up Heat culture again? I mean, I think so, but like over the past 15 years, he has put together three NBA Finals teams. Um, if they win this year, it'll be three championship teams with completely different rosters. He's built three completely different Finals teams. Five NBA Finals teams. No, no. I mean, sorry. What I mean is like not a piece. I, I mean, just six. Oh, you meant three I mean, separate like, iterations. Right. So you had the Wade Shack team you put together. Very good point. Yeah. You had the, the Heatles team you put together. And now you have an entirely completely different team with this Butler lineup. Like, yeah. it's just crazy that he's able to retool three times over the last 15 years to get three competitive teams. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, he's an NBA legend for a reason. And this team's going to be good for years to come. Like, this is not going to be the only finals appearance. See that? I disagree. Who do you think is going to be the big East team to knock him off? I mean, who would have thought that the Heat were going to make the finals this year, right? Who were going to? Who would have thought that the the Raptors were going to make the finals before? It's hard. It's it hard is hard. To come yeah. Back. Um, At the very least, they'll be competitive for years to come. They're going to be competitive for years. Oh, to also, come. I think Miami's a huge free agent destination spot. They always are. But that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like as good as they are now, they could easily land another big name. Well, they're the other big team that's going to be Giannis chasing, and they very well could get him. I'd go. I'd go to Miami. They're not asking you. Well, what would they strike out to everybody else? <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you I'll still be available. Do you want to know how um, Pat Riley and the Heat recruit guys? Because they do it extravagantly. 
Uh, I can take some guesses, but yeah, go ahead. They make it very hard to say no. Like this guy, like this guy balls out. So I'm going to tell you a story about how the Heat almost signed Tracy McGrady. I was listening to, uh, I was listening to a podcast about this years ago. I actually brought it up on Google to make sure I was right. When, um, when were they looking to sign Tracy? Right after, good point, actually. Right after he was leaving the Raptors, he ended up signing with Orlando. Yeah. But the Heat made a huge push for him. This is in 2000. And so um, I'll just bring up a little bit to like read it. But basically, Tracy literally says, like, this is how he was recruited. Like, they brought him down on a private jet. And he meets with Alonzo Mourning, who's like, I guess, one of the coolest guys apparently in the league. Like, people are really like him. Yeah. And Tracy has no idea what's planned. He's just chilling with Alonzo, whose house is um whose house is on the water obviously and tracy at this point has got to be like 20 21 years old he's like yeah 22 yeah then like suddenly this like private speedboat shows up and zoe is like hey tracy you want to go for a ride so they go speedboating around like miami uh <laughs> miami waters going pretty fast and they just show up to this house on the water and it's like whose house is this pat riley's he's there with a drink and a max contract in his hand and wow. tracy what do you want to do <laughs> i mean that sounds pretty good like in during the during the speedboat ride, like Zoe's like, oh yeah, look at these houses. Just talking about the heat culture and shit. Oh hashtag heat culture. Um, just talking about like how it would be living in Miami. And it's like, oh let's just stop over here. And then it's just Pat Riley's like, oh by the way, here's hundred and fifty million dollars. But do you know that makes what me wonder thinking? what did the magic do to get McGrady to sign there? Like what was the Orlando pitch? We know where your mama live. Maybe yeah, it was a threat. <laughs> she lives in our city. Yeah, true. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, he just wanted, the young kid wanted to go home. But point is, like, that shit works 99% of the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, guys are guys, man. Speedboat, mass contract, I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah, I think a lot of players would be like that. Um, <laughs> just thinking about the recruitment for Giannis. It's like, for the Raptors, like, hey, Giannis, bring a coat, but come on down here. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. Dress warm. What? Don't worry about it. Just come. Yeah, we have lots of Greek people here. Yeah, have you heard of Taste of the Danforth? You'd be, uh, he would be very celebrated for that. They would put a fucking statue in Danforth for Giannis. Yes, yeah, of course. Um, I had one point on um, uh, Jimmy Butler. I think uh, Jimmy Butler was scored a lot in the uh, the Buck series. Didn't do as much in the Heat in the the Celtic series. This is a big series for Jimmy Butler because they don't have guys to guard him unless you want to put LeBron on him. But when they put the smaller guards on Jimmy, like if it's a Rondo, if it's a Caruso or a guy who's not a good defender, like Kuzma, yeah. he's got to fucking eat. Like this is one, like I know everyone knows that Jimmy can score and he yeah. doesn't necessarily need to affect games. He needs to score. The thing with Jimmy, he doesn't force shots. No, he doesn't. But I'm saying like, he's he, gonna, he can bully this ball. Is a, this the is guys a you mentioned, he can, yeah. he can bully ball them. Yeah. This is a series where like, if you're looking at the matchups, this is a series where if I'm spoiling like, yo, Jimmy, like got to score. Yeah. Um, and I think he will. I think he'll be aggressive. He's not going to be scared, that's for sure. Uh, that's no. one thing about, like, the finals. Some guys, like, sometimes, especially game one, you're tight. Jitters. Oh, yeah, jitters. It's the finals. And even in the bubble, you know you know it's the finals. Yeah. Um, that could happen. I don't think that's going to happen to Jimmy, though. Um, but I did want to finish off on this. As all you listeners, I'm sure, are aware, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are fucking sick. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're really good. How good are they, Chris? <laughs> That's, oh God, your setup's so weird. Uh, that's a segue. I'm, I'm leading you in. That was so fake, but whatever. Um, they are so good that, um, so AD is averaging 28.8 points per game. This is for the final, uh, for the playoffs, by the way. 28 points per game, uh, 57% shooting, um, 36 from three. LeBron, 26.7 points per game, 
54% shooting, uh, 35 from three. He also has 8.9 assists and 10.3 rebounds, almost averaging a triple-double. But I wanted to look how many duos have averaged over 25 points per game and shot at least 50% um, and won a championship. Now, granted, finals isn't done, but I wanted to see how how much precedent there is for that because there's been some really good duos and trios, like groups of players yeah. throughout the league. Do you want to guess how many people have done that? I mean, you're bringing it up. So it's either going to be one or zero. I'm going to guess zero. It is zero. I look through all the shit. There's some guys who come close, which, I mean, this is lofty company, so it tells you how good LeBron and AD have even been. I can't even think of the guys who come close because the guys that come to mind are Jordan Pippen. They're both wings. They're probably not shooting over 50%, both of them. Kobe Shaq. Kobe's not shooting over 50%. Um... Like Duncan Parker, I don't think nope. Tony's averaging nope. twenty five points. Yeah, yeah, Tony. I looked at that. I could have mentioned them, but Tony didn't average uh, in Tony Parker's. Uh, I think 07, when he won the Finals MVP. Uh, neither of them averaged over twenty five points, but they both averaged over twenty. Okay, and they also had like a lot of Manu in there. I mean, this is this is partly the fact that the Lakers are so top heavy and they have such a dearth of talent. Um, after. A relative talent, I, su- I assume, I-, I suppose, after LeBron and AD. Yeah. Um, and they have to do it all themselves, basically. And they have been, which is amazing. But literally no other a combination of players has done what they're doing right now in NBA history. It's ridiculous. And you're looking at, like, so the closest comparisons, the 2001 Lakers, Shaq and Kobe, they came very close, but Kobe didn't shoot over 50%. He shot 46.9, which is still pretty fucking good. Um, the very next year, 0102 Lakers, also quite close. Um, another great uh, duo, KD and Steph in uh, 2018 and 2017. They were both really close, but neither of them shot over 50%. Right. Um, they it's also, almost like for that to happen, one of the two has to be a big. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they're both kind of bigs, LeBron and AD. Um, you got the Bulls. Surprisingly, Jordan and Scotty actually only came kind of close to this mark once, and that was their first championship year in 91. Um, Scotty Scotty had the field goal percentage, and so did uh, Jordan, but yeah. he was actually low 20s. So that's about as close as it got okay. for them. 94-95 um, Rockets, Hakeem and uh, Clyde Drexler. Uh, Clyde Drexler was low 20s and also didn't quite shoot 50%. The closest comparison is actually another LeBron team, though. Okay, so this is interesting. So technically, no team has ever had two guys average 25 points per game and shoot 50% and win a championship. Yeah. Um, closest, I just want to, that's exactly right. But I don't think anyone's done it to make the finals either. I didn't really look for that. But um, the other thing, the, clo- the one thing I'll say is the closest comparison to what is happening now with LeBron and AD is another LeBron team. And it's not the Heatles. Like, Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Chris Bosh never did it like this. Um, it's actually the 16 Cavs, uh, LeBron and Kyrie. LeBron, that's like, they went off. Um, and Kyrie actually did have over 25 points per game, but did not have the field goal percentage, which isn't right. surprising. Tough to do. It is really tough yeah. to do. But that's, I mean, that's literally the, this is the the, the group that um, LeBron and AD are in. They're in their own group. But when they I put mean, this team together, listen, they both knew, like, listen, this team's going to ride or die with us because nobody else here is going to really do anything. Yeah, but this just goes to show, like, I mean, talk about, like, all the great players LeBron has been with, like, prime Dwayne Wade. I mean, frankly, prime Dwayne Wade for, like, one and a half seasons. But, yeah. Um, prime, prime, prime Kyrie. Chris, prime Kyrie, prime Chris Bosh. Um, 
post-prime Shaq. <laughs> I guess the list no. of prime stars isn't that long. No, but the point is, like, this is by far the best player LeBron has ever played with. It oh, is, like, at this point. I don't know, man. By far might be an exaggeration, but AD is the best player they've ever he's ever played. Yeah, I'm just saying, would AD's numbers be as good if there actually was a real third guy on that team? It would be different. You're right. Yeah. But Listen, he's good. AD's good. But I don't think the, the Heat, if it was just Dwayne and LeBron, plus nothing, basically, yeah. I don't think the Heat are making the... Uh, making the finals, man. Like yeah. it, w- it wouldn't be nearly the I same. I mean, thankfully team. for the Lakers, AD's playing the best basketball he's played all season right now. Not yeah. even close. His sh- shot selection's better. His efficiency is better. Like he's feeling more comfortable out there. They've timed it right. Now, yeah, he's playing amazing. Um, and uh, I want to end on two notes. Like one, um, throw some cold water on that the Heat are the best defense that the Lakers are going to be playing this playoffs and yep. also the best team um, at this stage. The The Lakers' run to the finals has not been actually that hard. Um, the teams they played against had mediocre defenses. Now, you can come back to me and say, well, actually, if you look at the stats during the playoffs of the uh, microball Houston Rockets, their defensive efficiency actually grades up pretty well. I would just say that, like, fine but it's also a matchup game and the Houston Houston no one to match up against them so they fe- LeBron and AD feasted um whereas the Heat have a lot of people to throw at both LeBron and AD um and they are overall the best defense LeBron and AD have played so yeah. this will be the toughest test for sure so I think these numbers may drop um but also they might just like these guys are so so good that they might just pull through um and secondly uh <laughs> To put into context how bad the, the depth is on this team, the third leading scorer on the Lakers during the playoffs is Kyle Kuzma. He's like 10.5 points per game. Yeah. Uh, to put this into context, when Mario Chalmers was on the Heat, like they were winning their championships, Mario Chalmers averaged 11.3 points per game in some of those. Yeah, play- dude, Kuz sucks. <laughs> the Lakers suck, except for LeBron and AD, basically. I like Rondo. I think he's been huge for them. Uh, Dwight's rounding into form. KCP's been okay. Cruz's been all right. If you take... This is now just like a theoretical exercise. If you take the top two players off every team in the league and just played with the rest of the guys, who would come last? Would the Lakers come last in the league if you just took their top two guys and those was just the rest of these dudes? Yeah. Yeah, um, they would come last. Yeah, I can't... Like, I mean, there's some really bad teams already. I mean, like... But... <laughs> yeah. Like, their best player would be, like, Caruso. Rondo. Would be a Rondo. Yeah, but, see, team. Rondo's awesome with half decent guys around. Like he's a facilitator. Yeah. But like Rondo's also become like a knockdown shooter. I don't know how that happened. Nah, not last series. <laughs> not last series. Yeah. He had a good series against Houston. Um, but anyway. yeah, that's the thing. That's how bad these guys are. Like they very well could be literally the worst team in the league if it wasn't for these two guys. And see, but I then again, was that was matter. the plan because yeah. that's what they did. I thought it was going to matter all season. I'm like, ah, they're not going to be that good. There's no depth. And then LeBron yeah. just went hero ball, and AD was awesome, and like they were fine. So. LeBron, back in the finals. Yeah. 17 seasons? He's been to the finals 10 times. That is unbelievable. Is That's it? a 60% clip. I think it's more than 10 times. Nah, man. He went once with the Cavs, and he went eight, he oh, went okay, eight okay, straight, right, right, and now right. we're... Well, not... Yeah, you're right. This is nine out of 10 years for him. Yeah, nine out of 10 years and 10 total. Isn't that crazy? It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, we'll end on this. When we started this bubble playoffs, in our questions pod, I asked this question. The Lakers have enough depth to win a championship outside of AD and LeBron, and does it matter? 
The answer is no, no and, and no. No. Yeah. They do not have enough depth, depth and it does not matter. Yeah. Okay, LeBron's well, good. I'm excited. Game one, Lakers Heat. Wednesday. Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Who you got in game one? Lakers come out. Yeah, I, I think I so, think too. I think they split the first two games, but Lakers won game one. Yeah, I think so, too. Never doubt the king. 